Blog Talk Radio. Sunday night to you, everyone. Welcome to Upon Further Review. I am LeVar. We've got a lot to cover on this wonderful Sunday night, and as usual, I am always joined by my lovely and wonderful co-host, Katie. What's going on? Oh, not much. Just catching the tail end of the Mets and Yankees game. Yes, Sunday night I'm baseball. catching that as, well. as well. It's a very uh, interesting game there. Uh, no chickens in sight there. But uh, <laughs> the Yankees uh, kind of chasing R.A. Dickey, who has been red hot uh, away pretty early there in that game. And it's 6-5 in the bottom of the eighth. I guess I will go through the rest of the schedule on this day uh, in the wonderful world of baseball. Uh, it is uh, quite an interesting day. There was a doubleheader, of course, in Tampa Bay. Uh, swept Philly in the first game, 3-2. And then in the nightcap, they beat them 7-3. In that first game, Carlos Pena hit a three-run home run in the eighth. Uh, David Price, the first AL pitcher to make it to ten wins. I'm pretty sure he will make an all-star team this year uh, for Tampa Bay. He's doing quite well. Uh, yeah. Minnesota over Cincinnati 4-3. to three. Josh Willingham hit a two-run home run off Aroldis Chapman. You know, Aroldis started pretty Second hot. Second <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and now he's pretty much kind of gone downhill there. Um, I just don't think a hundred mile per hour fastball is going to bust out these MLB players anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah, they've seen it. They've seen it. They've done their study on it, and and now we uh, see what's happened when they do that study on it. (laughs) (laughs) Miami beats, yeah, Miami beat Toronto nine nothing today. Mark Burley, he is now first all time in interleague wins. That was his twenty fifth. He had seven strong innings today. Miami kind of getting off the schneid. They've been kind of uh, stumbling here lately, and it's uh, not good for all that money that they poured in down there. In uh, one of the games in which a lot of people have been talking about today, not because of what happened in that game, well, I guess kind of what kind of happened in that game, Boston beat Atlanta 9-4. to But, of course, the big talk in that one is, of course, about Kevin Euclid, who uh, played his final game as a Boston Red Sox, as he is now going over to the Chicago White Sox. Um, and they traded Kevin Euclid's end cash to the White Sox for Brent Brent Lillibridge. I'm going to get that out straight. And pitcher Zach Stewart. You know, this trade works well. No, you know, I'm not shocked. It's it's a Kenny Williams trade. And Kenny always either before or right upon as we get towards trade deadlines and things of that nature, the White Sox need a third baseman. Uh, Hudson is not going to work out. Yeah, well, it was not going to work out well in that position over there. And the Red Sox needed a change, and you kind of knew that Euclid's days with the Red Sox were kind of numbered once Bobby Well, the way Bobby Valentine was making it seem, and the way Justin Pedroia came out and called him out, was kind of like, well. You know what I I think of this trade? I think this trade will help the White Sox more, and I liken this trade to when Carlton Fisk 
was traded from the Red Sox over to the White Sox because at that point, you know, the Red Sox really thought that Carlton was kind of like toward the end of his stretch, and he actually went on to have quite a productive career uh, or a second career in Chicago. And I'm liking this to that because I think Kevin still wants to prove he has a lot to offer a major league team. Yeah. So that's my prediction there. And speaking well, of the Sox, uh, they beat. Sox lover, but you're hoping yeah, this doesn't yes. not pan out. At least you didn't have to pay out his entire contract, so whatever. Huh? Yeah, we get cash with it too, so nothing to lose. And speaking of the Sox, they beat Milwaukee one to nothing in ten. It was the Angels over the Dodgers five three. St. Louis beat Kansas City eleven to eight. How do you like this for a turnaround uh, after the previous weekend in which St. Louis lost two of three in Kansas City? St. Louis batters pretty much kamikaze Kansas City. 41 hits and 30 runs in that series alone. So, um, I just love I'm it because sure. I got Matt Holiday on my team. <laughs> I kept going, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have you sing that next week in full. <laughs> Absolutely. Madonna, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, something that Katie will also be happy about, Detroit beat Pittsburgh 3-2. to two. Justin Verlander with a complete game five hitter there. For Detroit, uh, pretty sure he will be on his way to the All-Star game in a few weeks. I'm pretty uh, sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure of that. Baltimore beat Washington. Not a one-hit wonder, that guy. Yeah, not. not. Baltimore beat Washington 2-1. Great series there in terms of pitching. But in this one, it was Matt uh, Wieters who hit a two-run home run in the eighth to put Baltimore ahead. Houston beat Cleveland 7-1. to one. Houston didn't even score into the fourth inning, but they scored seven runs throughout the rest of that game uh, to beat and Cleveland, San Diego over Seattle two to nothing. It was Oakland four, San Francisco two, and Texas beat Colorado four to two. And of course, it was Arizona, pretty much sweeping out the Cubs five one. Surprise! Don't think anybody was too surprised by that. But yeah. I got to ask you, uh, one of the things that's come up, of course, this was interleague weekend, and I guess I want to ask you because it has come up more than once here over the last few months. And there has been talk uh, within Major League Baseball circles of pretty much making interleague more of a a permanent fixture. Uh, having, you know, the Sox play on the road against, you know, the Cubs or the Atlanta Braves or the, you know, the Dodgers or things of that nature. Baseball purists, I know, of course, will hate it because they feel that those matchups shouldn't happen until, you know, either an all-star game or the World Series. Is it now time? If you think about it, NHL, they do, quote-unquote, interleague matchups. They go from east to west. The NBA does it. The NFL does it. Is it time for baseball to do it? I don't see a downfall here. I think it um, puts everybody more at the same kind of level. I'm, of course, a lover of baseball, and I love interleague play once it started. I think it puts people up against one another that don't normally get to see those pitchers and, and make it more of an even playing field. I like interleague play. I also enjoy that it's only right before the all-star break, a little bit after, and then it goes right back to regular. <clears throat> I mean, I really wouldn't be sad if it didn't happen, but I think it's, it makes it fun for people to see other stars, for more people to go out to games I mean, the Mets have never had that many people in City Bay or City Field, and that's one of the big matchups. You know, I wouldn't mind yeah. seeing that at all. I, I won't 
want it to be all the time, so I miss my National League matchups, my big foes that we play against each other all the time. You know, I wouldn't want to make the Braves not play the Phillies twice, you know. I yeah. think the divisions still have to play each other in, in two sets. I think that's on the road and at home. But I think that everybody should have their American League pitchers take a bat and come up to the plate because God knows I hate the designated hitter rule in American League yeah, play. There's, yeah, there's a lot of people who would go for American League play just for that reason, <laughs> not to see the, the D, DH as Pick much. Pick up the wood, um, take a hack. Let's look them look, make them look silly. Remember when the big unit had to hit for the first time? <laughs> oh Lord! <laughs> cool. Yes, you did, and um, yeah, it's yeah. I, you know, I'm trying to think of a pitcher now that would pretty much look kind of uh, foolish doing. I'm trying to think of another AL pitcher that would probably do it. But I, I don't know. It, it's a uh, we don't have like those big guys anymore. Like the you know, I, I'd like to see CC take a few more swings. You know, and, like he, yeah, he's <laughs> a big guy. I'd like that, to see you know, him run out yeah. a grounder. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. That would be nice. Chug a lug, buddy. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't really play. I'm I'm with you on that. I don't mind seeing it, I guess, as long as they kind of uh, – they don't make it something where it's like, you know, I guess overdone. I think if they can do it as to where there's some marquee things, because, like I said, being a Sox fan, I would like to see – I mean, I get tired of seeing – uh, the usual, like, against the Dodgers or against this. I mean, for once, I'd like to see, hey, maybe we are against Houston. I was like, maybe we go to New York to play the Mets. Maybe we go to, um, you know, down to Florida and play Miami. And maybe we go, uh, you know, to uh, San Diego, play the Padres, or to Arizona, play the Diamondbacks. It's a Something style of really play, American National League, you know? Like, it's interesting for people who like baseball to see that. <clears throat> yeah. So no. So it'll be interesting to see if Major League Baseball actually does pick up with the interleague plan on a permanent basis. But I know a lot of peers will probably. You'd go out. Yeah. To, you know, if the Dodgers came to Chicago, you'd be more likely to go actually see that game because you don't get to see it all the time. Well, actually, I did see it when they first kind of went through the interleague thing, and the Dodgers did come, and I think it was the first time since '59 or whatever. And I did go and see it, and it was actually quite interesting. And it's like. You know, because you're not used to that. As an AL fan, you're not used to seeing these teams. And I think, you know, it would be fun to see, you know, the Sox in Atlanta or Atlanta come here or, you know, or or the Cardinals and, you know, it's the type of stuff that you'd like to see. So, Just um, a traveling fan. I mean, there are places in both cities, you know, that people can go play each other. There wouldn't be so much yeah. on-the-road action. It'd be You could stay in a hotel and go, go two days later to play a White Sox. Yeah. So, but... Uh, and just to uh, give folks a uh, quick update here, as I'm looking at the score, it looks like now this is headed to, what, the top of the ninth in New York, Yankees leading the Mets 6-5. I uh, wanted to talk real quick, and only real quick. Um, this past week, uh, the Jerry Sandusky trial, uh, came actually on Friday, uh, came to well, what we think is probably going to be a conclusion, although we do hear now that the lawyers are thinking about filing an appeal. Uh, especially based off of some of the uh, TV evidence uh, that NBC and Bob Costas did with their interview, and they felt that some of the bits were a little bit unfair uh, that showed him in a bad light. But, uh, of course, Jerry Sandusky, if you have not heard, was found. (laughs) Pardon? He's bad. He did bad things. I don't care if it's painted him in a bad light. Yeah. There's no good light for playing with little boys. There's no good light. 
Yeah, there, there is no good light. Now I was thinking about that. I said, well, even if you redid, even if you showed the interview in its entirety, uh, you still gotta look at the crime that that's like a that is like a thief going on TV and saying, yeah, I shot about ten people, but when I shot them, you know, I shot them at uh, different times instead of all together. You know, you still did the crime. It's yeah. not gonna change. And what it's his own fault here. for doing the interview. He agreed. Yeah. What did he think they were going to talk about? Penn State football? No, <laughs> they were not. And I have to say, you know, it is, you know, the the true heroes in this trial are actually the uh, the victims who testify because that is as tough of a thing I think that anyone has to do because that is reliving old memories. And to have that bravery to come out against this guy, uh, over the things that he has done, and to it was not easy. And you heard about the uh, testimony from them, and you know, especially that heartbreaking testimony from the last witness, uh, who said that he pretty much was crawling and trying to scream for help but couldn't. And it just, it really, you know, uh, for them, they get their justice. Albeit, you know, sadly, he's not going to be serving probably 50 years, but they get their justice nonetheless. And I hope and I'm that, that he uh, didn't even take the stand like he was supposed to. He was a coward, just like yeah, he was violating the rest of those little kids. Pretty much. And I was like, I'm not buying. Whenever these court cases go down, I'm never buying the fact that, oh, we didn't want to put him on the stand to, you know, uh, make matter. No, that that is a cowardly act when you are not able to go on the stand and to talk about <laughs> what happened. And well, and he said me, he didn't want a rebuttal from his son when his son said the same thing as these other kids did. Yeah. So and who do you believe? Me, yeah. So, uh, yeah, good luck there in uh, prison, Jerry, and me. Uh, well, he faces <laughs> up Michelle to 442 Beale. years, but God knows he's almost 70 years old. Yeah. And if yeah, he gets into prison, years. you know he's not <laughs> living out a life sentence. Somebody's going to get much. him for touching little kids. Pretty much. And uh, also last week, I'm now past that one. Uh, also last week, uh, we thought Sunday night would probably be the night that we would see uh, game six of the NBA Finals, but uh, no, <laughs> was not. Nope. The Miami Heat, the Miami Heat last week defeated the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Rumble, as I call them now, four games to one. Uh, LeBron finally gets his, yeah. LeBron finally gets his ring. Your thoughts? I think that the uh, <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers owner is eating his words. Yeah, Dan Gilbert, uh, did you see the tweet that he sent out? <laughs> I don't know. Shortly afterwards. Uh, it was something to the effect of a great NBA season, great finals, congrats to the Heat and Thunder on such a great finals, great for the NBA. <laughs> oh, yeah, I read that. I thought I was telling you that he did not, you know, single out Miami. He did not single out LeBron. It was more like, hey, congratulations to both. You know? Good job. Now maybe nobody <laughs> will talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe nobody's going to think about who won that. Yeah, you know, pretty much. Um, but now, as that season ends, another one begins. This Thursday, NBA draft is coming up. I believe that uh, unless Anthony Davis just totally does something out of the uh, unusual, he will be the projected number one pick in the draft. But late tonight, uh, or late today, there was pretty much a disturbing uh, article out on uh, ESPN.com. 
and I think or is it Yahoo, and I want to make sure I get that right. But um, it was an interview with Lou Aldang of the Chicago Bulls, and he quoted to someone that he would not be surprised if the Bulls traded him by the NBA draft. Now, if you're not familiar with what's going on with the Bulls, Lou Aldang, who was injured throughout part of the season, has decided to play for uh, Britain in the upcoming London Olympics, much to the consternation of Bulls management, who wants him to either get surgery or to rest up for the NBA season, and he said no. And uh, that kind of ruffled a lot of feathers a long way. And the hot rumor tonight is that the Bulls are looking to trade Lou Aldang to go to state for the number seven pick. And I, I don't like. I don't know. I'm hearing, but yeah, and, and yeah, I don't know. I think it's almost time now where you pretty much this causes too much of an issue. I think when you put Olympics this late in the year, especially after an NBA season, I'm thinking now is almost the time to go back to college players or amateur players. Um, there's so much money involved in regards to these NBA players and, you know, they're just coming out. It's kind of like, you know, LeBron James, he just went through full season plus the playoffs. You don't want LeBron going and playing in the Olympics now right after that and then only to turn around a month and a half later and be ready for training camp, you know? And do you see it going back more to probably just using college players? Would it be a good move for them to go back to using college players? It's hard to tell right now because injuries are so prone and now they're going to be playing in this weekly tournament that's for all the marbles, as you would say. I mean, the Dream Team was great, but I don't know if teams want their stars to play when they've already paid them this much money to be ready to go in a month after the Olympics is done. It's not like football where they get like six months off or whatever. Uh, it's it's just um, yeah, I, I think we're going to see it go back to more college players, more of the amateurish type feel uh, than we probably would. I think after 20 years now, I think we will probably be seeing the end of uh, NBA players because you don't want to risk all that, you know, especially if you know LeBron gets hurt, or he breaks his leg, or you know, or Dwayne Wade or Kevin Durant. You know, it's it's just too risky. I mean, it, it's nice to set the odds in your favor, but. Um, I would rather see, you know, some second-tier college players who are pretty good, not first-tier because they're going to get drafted anyway, but, you know, second among maybe some top-tier college amateur players going out there to play. I'd much rather see that. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. Uh, Speaking of this week, and I'm going to show this last story here for a few minutes, but I want to get your predictions. Wimbledon um, Uh, begins this week at the all Yes, it begins tomorrow through July 8th at the All England Club over in Jadiot, England. Of course, last year's winners on the men's side, Novak Djokovic, and on the women's side, Petra Kvit... Um, oh, God, Kvit... Uh, <laughs> I'll get that right. <laughs> Sooner or later, I'll get that right. Uh, are the defending champions. Do you have a prediction for Wimbledon before it begins? <clears throat> well... I want to go back and say French Open champion Rafael Nadal is always my favorite. I want to give a shout-out to Andy Radek, who won the Aegon Championship today. He said he had to call the tournament owner and beg to get into this championship, and he beat 
uh, Andres Seppi today in straight sets. It was awesome. I watched that today. Um, but Andy Rock, he said that he has been losing left and right for years now. Um, so he's just grateful he gets to come back and play. Um, but, of course, the favorites are always the top four. It's, it's tough. There was a couple of players on the Tennis Channel they were talking about that I'd never even heard of. Um, but grass courts can get anybody. I think Djokovic looks good. And that loss on clay, he was great. But well, if I'm that game would have kept going, I think Djokovic would have won if there wasn't that other rain delay. Yeah. You know what, though? I'm actually going to agree with you. I I like Novak Djokovic. He's on such a hot streak. I predict he will probably win on the inside. On the women's side, I'm going with the outsider here, even though it's not much of an outsider. Uh, I know everybody's looking at Maria Sharapova. Everybody's looking at um, Caroline Walls, Niaki. But I'm actually going with Victoria Azarenka. Uh, Victoria won the Aussie Open this year. Uh, she is a former number one. Uh, she's the second seed in this tournament, which means that obviously she's right up there. So I think she may breeze through this and upset a few people and actually win. That's my prediction. I think it's going to be a good two weeks. Yeah. You know what else I forgot to do tonight? I forgot uh-huh. to go to the rest of the sports update, so I'm going to do that quickly here. NCAA <laughs> baseball, it was Arizona beating South Carolina 5-1. In soccer, if you're keeping up with the uh, European uh, League titles there, Italy beat England 4-2 in a uh, penalty kicks. And NASCAR, it was Cliff Boyer winning the Sprint Cup Series at Sonoma. And in golf, it was Mark Leishman winning the Travelers Championship. Uh, Charlie Hoffman, Bubba Watson finishing tied for second. But now that will lead me to one of our main things to talk about tonight, and that is something that developed on Thursday last week in regards to NCAA football and the BCS title game. BCS commissioners have uh, formally approved a plan here uh, that needs to be approved throughout the uh, conference commissioners for a four-team playoff. Uh, the sites for the national semifinals will be rotated among the major bowl games, uh, and a selection committee would be picking the participants. Uh, it would, If it is approved, it would start in 2014. Uh are you like it or are you not like it? Well, I think anybody that hates the BCS likes this <clears throat> tournament style of play way more than they like this BCS choosing of whoever is going to play in these tournaments that have nothing to do with their play. <clears throat> but it's not even going to happen until, like, 2014, I foresee, because that's when the their little contract runs out on this BCS business. But... I think it's going to make them just as much money, and that's exactly what they want from college football tournament play. So I think that everybody wins in this way. I think Boise State's going to like it. Yes, Boise State's going to like it. Uh, You know, TCU will like it. You know, the only thing about this is that, you know, probably for the uh, other conferences that aren't up there or aren't in the conference, like, because it seems everybody's pretty much jumping conferences. You know, you got people going from the pac you know, ten to this, and you know, SEC over the this, and it's like when the smoke settles. I have a feeling by the end of the day, there's probably only going to be like maybe ten conferences left. All these other conferences are pretty much going to disappear. Um, 
those were the conferences that I used to worry about was those smaller guys because they never get a piece of the pie. And as much as they probably do well or have like a 7 or 10-0 and 0 season, you know, they don't get considered for a major bowl game. They usually get pegged in a bowl game in December or, you know, like a holiday bowl or, or you know, some uh, – uh, Pizza Hut Bowl or Tostino's uh, yeah. Pizza Roll Bowl, and you know, and you feel kind of bad because you're like, well, hey, they went 10-0, they won their conference. What makes them different from, say, a power conference, uh, which the guy, uh, which maybe in Oklahoma probably went like 10-2. Uh, yeah, I know they're going to focus a lot more on conference record. I know they're going to, uh, they probably won't even be known as the BCS Bowl before we get around to that. But um, 14 playoff is a good start. I think overall. Yeah. Just to shut everyone up, eventually you may have to double that to eight teams. But I say no larger than eight teams, because usually what you will have is that you will have at least your top eight teams every year. There is at least one with one loss or one with two losses, but it was from a tougher division. And a lot of people will say, "Hey, well, if we didn't have to play Florida State or Florida or uh, Auburn, you know, we probably would be number one." And I right. guess that you know, give them that, but. I am actually thinking it's a good start with four. And it was something that I've talked about for years. I said, well, why don't you use your major bowls as your playoff structure? In that way, you still keep the traditional bowls. You don't lose that. And you just restructure as to where, you know, your Big Ten conference guy plays. This, they still play the Pac-10 in the Rose Bowl. And, you know, that's that playoff game there. And you still are able to do all this other stuff and pull from the orange and the sugar and all that sort of stuff and stretch it out and, like, maybe make it like a tier one bowl system, tier two bowl system. Tier two bowls are the bowls in which you don't got a shot at winning anyway, but you're still playing a bowl. Tier one bowl system is your playoffs. And those are the top, you know, four to eight teams that you're using. And they all go along and play until, you know, the second round games are probably, or like the first round games aren't bowls. The second round was probably our name BCS Bowl, and that would be their championship bowl, you know? Like, then everybody wins. Yeah, and actually there is a rumor, and I did read that, that they may not even call it the BCS Bowl for fear that people are still going to be uh, uh, pissy about it, if you want to use the term, uh, because they don't like it already. You know, and I know they may try to, in the NCAA's own way, to kind of make it fresh. They may try to change the name on that. So there is rumor that that they will probably drop the name BCS Bowl. Yeah, because they haven't made anybody happy since the change. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got to remember, they weren't making people happy before then because you always had, I thought years ago, and I, I remember growing up when it was an instance where Auburn, I think they had a perfect season one year. And I know that was the year that they were on, I think, probation. But the following year they came back and had the same type of season but weren't even considered for the national title. And I was like, well, why are they considered? They even had a perfect season. And it perplexed me. I was like, well, how is this chosen? And I think it's still confusing to this day about, you know, how the computer chooses certain winners. But, uh, you know, it, it's it needs it definitely needs an overhaul. This, I think, is It needs some TLC by a human being. You can't just put names in a computer and push a button and say, well, these people get to go. Well, yeah, yeah, you sure can't. And it, it, it's, like I said, it's it's a good start. I'm glad to see it. I hope they go through this in 2014. Can't get here quick enough if that is the way. So <sighs> we'll keep you updated. <laughs> Change is okay. It's okay. <laughs> Change is good. Even, even, you know, maybe our change of having Katie sing at the end of the show is usually good, too. You know, if Matt Holiday keeps in all these RBR shows, yeah. 
saw you the gotta... clip today. I was like, holiday. I kept saying it. And was like, what are you doing? I <laughs> uh, need to climb my way back you... out of the hole to get back on top here. Uh, well, no, you're you're getting up there. I have to actually check my uh, fantasy league. I know I was tied this week, so uh, hoping uh, some of my guys, or at least Ari Dickey didn't get the loss tonight. So that's, I'm just glad about yeah, that's that. nice. <laughs> Bautista blew it, but that's whatever. We don't have him. Uh, that was well, a pickup on your part, man. I, th- I thank you. Well, um, <laughs> you, know, you had a couple of good week. Well, you had a couple of good weeks last week. So yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I knew two one hitters. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, we got about 90 seconds left, so you got any uh, shout-outs for this week? Just shouting out the city of Boise. I'm <clears throat> going to go up there on Thursday and see my man before he ships off to your old stomping grounds to Chicago for boot camp. Yay! Oh. I've never been well, to Boise. Boise. I don't really feel a need, but I'm going there. <laughs> well, well, pick me up some potatoes. And Boise, That's what if I've you heard see, from everybody. Uh, yeah, if, you, if, you, if you see Katie out and about, you know... Uh, Say hi. <laughs> I welcome uh, new people. Be, yes, she'll be uh, north side of Boise, guys. Come on out. There, there you go. So safe travels on your way to Boise this week, and we will see you uh, definitely next Sunday night, as well as all of you for next Sunday night. And uh, by then, I know we'll be, uh, as always, have a lot more to talk about in the world of sports. And I can't thank you all enough for listening. And of course, you can catch us on Twitter at newscommentbtr. You can catch Katie at Katie Hahn. And you can catch our official website at newscommentbtr.wix.com forward slash fan page. So, my friend, thank you so much. I'll see you next Sunday night. Peace. Great. Thanks, everybody.